The text is verses 21 to 28 of Mark chapter 1, and we'll read that again together. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if a person possessed by a demon stood up in the middle of a sermon and told the minister that he wanted nothing to do with him, what would you think? Or on the other hand, what would it say about the worship service if an unclean spirit considered it all quite acceptable and was able to just fit in? The reaction of unclean spirits teaches us about the character of the preaching, especially when we understand that the devil hates God and is doing everything he can to twist the truth and destroy the work of Jesus Christ. In our text today, Mark recounts this event in the synagogue so that we can learn more about the power and authority of Jesus' preaching and teaching. Jesus himself said in verses 35 to 38 that he had come to preach. And then in verses 14 to 15, Mark sums up Jesus' ministry as a ministry of proclaiming the gospel of God and calling people to repent and believe in the gospel. A few verses earlier, the Holy Spirit had shown that Jesus' ministry took place while Satan was still prowling around. The mention of the angels who were ministering to Jesus during these 40 days of temptation remind us of the spiritual battle that is taking place among the invisible creatures that God had made. And all this makes it clear that Jesus' preaching in the synagogues is closely connected to casting out demons. And in verses 38 to 39, the two are very clearly uh, contrasted one with the other. Unclean spirits and faithful preaching, they don't mix because unclean spirits do not accept the truth and they do anything they can to stop it. When Jesus cast out demons, he not only confirmed the power of, of his word, but he also was protecting the truth of what he proclaimed from the lies of the devil and delivering the children of Israel from the grip of Satan, as it was also promised in the Psalms, that he grants liberation. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme. Jesus has authority to drive out unclean spirits and preserve the truth. We'll see that he revealed the preaching that demons hate and the power that demons fear. If you look closely at our text, verses 21 to 28, you can see that both at the beginning of our text and at the end, 
Mark tells us that people were astonished at Jesus' teaching because they had not heard anything like this before. They were comparing Jesus' teaching to the teaching of the scribes. We don't have a sample of the scribes' teaching in this very context, but there is evidence to support that in a synagogue on the Sabbath day, it was typical to read a portion of the Old Testament Scriptures followed by an explanation of this passage. And since the authority of the written word would be agreed upon by all involved, Jesus and the scribes alike, it would appear that the difference between Jesus and the scribes could be found in what they did with the word that they read. So how is Jesus' explanation different than the preaching of the scribes? Well, if you look at Luke 4, it's the parallel context, shows us that Jesus there was he preached to announce that the Scriptures were speaking about Him. And He came announcing that He had come to fulfill all righteousness for sinners. In contrast, the Jewish leaders taught that righteousness was something that had to be obtained by men. And they, they showed the people what they needed to do in very practical and very applicable ways. Concerning offerings, they would have discussions about how much should be tithed and who was exempt and when they were exempt. Concerning purity, they would explain very carefully the proper procedures for eating, what meats were permitted, when to wash your hands, how to keep the bowls clean. Concerning rest on the Sabbath day, they would go into great detail explaining what constitutes a load and how many steps could be taken and what we really would say is rest and what is is work. And the development of these proper to-do lists of of holiness that many today call down-to-earth application of being told from the pulpit what to do and how, this to-do list of holiness was such an oppressive burden that they prevented the people from seeing the gospel of grace, the announcement of righteousness in Christ. Such teaching around the text had so jaded the minds of the people that we wouldn't be surprised that if the scribes, that we would not be surprised if the scribes were more concerned about whether the man with the demon was properly attired or following protocols for synagogue worship than the actual well-being of the poor, oppressed son of Israel. And before Jesus began to preach in that synagogue, there was little that the unclean spirit needed to do to blind the people further, to hide grace from them. Pride in our own righteousness, guilt for sins, focus on conduct rather than the heart, and a condemning lack of love for our neighbor's well-being was pretty much what hell looks like anyways. Why should the unclean spirit bother to to enter such a synagogue or or to, to speak up or interrupt the proceedings? His master would be pleased with the way things were going until, until the Holy One of God opened his mouth to proclaim good news of grace and liberation and hope, and he spoke out of love. 
And Mark uses the word immediately, often in his gospel, to highlight the vivid urgency of Jesus' short ministry on earth. Jesus and his disciples had gone to Capernaum, the fishing village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And when the Sabbath came, we read, they immediately entered the large, well-known synagogue in that place where Jesus used the privilege of traveling teachers in order to teach. The people were astonished and immediately, we read, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Without presuming to know too much, we can conclude from our text that some kind of entity was in that man and then was able to control his speech, convulse the man, and possibly even cry out with his own voice. By calling it a spirit, same word is used for, for wind, Mark helps us to understand that, that, that it did not have a physical form. And by calling it unclean, he shows that is, this demon is, is impure, he's defiled, he's, he's damned to an existence outside of the presence of the holy God. The unclean spirit immediately spoke to respond to Jesus' teaching. For it appears that he also recognized in this teacher, different teaching, one who had authority to explain and even fulfill the promises of Scripture. And so afraid and filled with hate, the unclean spirit spoke through the man. And he interrupts the preaching. He draws attention to himself. He he attempts to take the eyes of everyone in the synagogue off off of Jesus Christ and, and on him. Well, let's be sure that as we read this, we don't do the same thing by paying more attention to the idea of demons than to the revelation of Jesus Christ in our text. The demon then tries to create a wedge between Jesus and and everyone else. As the unclean spirit asked Jesus what he had to do with, with us, the us could be referring to us demons or perhaps us sinners sitting there in the, in the synagogue. And in order to further the division, the unclean spirit then attempts to isolate Jesus as a, as a big loser by discrediting the Lord Jesus publicly in a way that reminds us of the cancel culture that we live in. We see how the devil loves to cause division, to remove the focus from, from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. It shows us, just this shows us the importance of promoting unity and, and peace in the communion of saints and how loving one another is actually part of spiritual warfare against the attacks of demons and the devil. Everything that the demon goes on to reveal about Jesus and his teaching shows us what the unclean spirits and rebellious sinners hate about Jesus' teaching. The first thing that the demon hates about Jesus is his humility and his humanity. The demon announces that he was Jesus of Nazareth and does not mention his birth in Bethlehem, the town of David. And not only was 
In doing this, the, the demon was trying to show that Jesus didn't have very good credentials in human terms. Not only was Nazareth of Galilee considered to be a hick town for uneducated, poor fishermen, so that Nathanael had even asked if, if any good could come from there, but also Jesus had just been expelled from that synagogue in Nazareth for claiming to be the Messiah who fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 61. What kind of Messiah would come out of such humble origins, out of this, this hick town? The unclean spirit hates the gospel that God took on human nature to live among us, even as a lowly Galilean. He saw Jesus standing there in, in his sandals as such a loser that even the people of his hometown couldn't stomach him. They, they kicked him out. They wanted to kill him. Well, may the Lord help us to glorify God for his humanity and his humility and his self-sacrificial love. The very thing that the demon hated. Let us imitate Christ's humble spirit in this spiritual warfare. Embrace the virtue of humility among Christians. The second thing that the unclean spirit hates is that he is named Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth named Jesus. Jesus means Savior. The demon presents that title as an accusation. Another reason to separate oneself from Jesus. Rebels against God find it offensive to be told that they need to be saved. They hate preaching that calls people to repent and believe because they also despise the idea of spending eternity doing the will of the Creator of heaven and earth. The unclean spirit spits out the name Savior Jesus because he hates other creatures. He has no problem oppressing them and, and using them for his own ends. Look at how he possessed the very man who was speaking. The unclean spirit also knew that if the man he was in were to be saved, liberated from his possession, that would only remind him of his own destruction. This unclean spirit highlights how important it is for the church to preach the gospel of Jesus, the Savior who calls us out of slavery of sin and who frees us from the oppression of the evil one. May God help us to preach the gospel the demons hate. And the third thing that the de demon hates is preaching that declares the destruction of everything impure and unclean. The unclean spirit invites the people to take a stand against Jesus' intolerant view of evil and impurity. Have, have you come to destroy us? It's all fine and nice to talk about Jesus the light, says the unclean spirit, but, but think about what that means for all those people who are happily living in their sins in darkness. Jesus is exposing them and, and condemning them to destruction. Unclean spirits, and people who love their sins more than God, hate Jesus' teaching 
that called people to confess their sins before God and their neighbor, to repent, to give up chasing after their carnal desires, fleeing from the light. The the demons hate the preaching of a glorious eternal life where there will be no more sin, no more abuse, no more taking advantage of others, mourning, crying, and pain because they don't want to nail their sins to the cross with Jesus. They love their sins more than God. Well, may Christ's church follow their master and be faithful in warning of the destruction of all that is unclean and evil. May we be fervent in in confessing our sins and in exposing sin and exhorting one another to faithful living. May the unclean spirit's hatred of such things encourage us to do them. The fourth thing the demon hates is preaching that declares Jesus as the Holy One of God. Holiness is the last thing that unclean spirits are interested in. The light hurts their their eyes. They have associated fun and entertainment with sin. And they want the world to believe that being holy means being a killjoy who is judgmental and negative and grumpy about everything that that rebels against God have so painstakingly built up. Unclean spirits hate the preaching of moral purity, separation from worldly living, dedication to God and His kingdom, reminding us of how the media often portrays the church today The unclean spirit spits out the title, the Holy One of God, as if Jesus and his followers should feel ashamed that they are different and unwilling to bend under the commandments of the woke, diversity-defending, virtue-signaling cultural leaders of today. The unclean spirit hated the announcement in the preaching that Jesus is the Holy One of God, the promised servant that the Lord set apart to save His church and make reconciliation with Him, to bring His people into holiness. May we preach the gospel of the Holy One of God with fervor, rejoicing that the Messiah has come to save us from the wrath of God, to give us life that is truly abundant, holy, set apart, dedicated to God. Faithful preaching will be rejected by the unclean spirits. And all those who will not endure sound teaching because with their itching ears they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. That's a quote of 2 Timothy 4 Verses 3 to 4. The unclean spirits hate the preaching of the gospel that Jesus proclaimed. And so, standing on the side of God, standing on the side of Jesus Christ against the devil and his host, let us embrace his teaching with thankful hearts. Hear the gospel that the unclean spirits and all rebellious sinners hate to hear. Jesus is the Savior. 
He is the Son of God who humbled himself to be born in Bethlehem and to grow up in a place on earth called Nazareth. He announces that he came to open our eyes, to heal us, to purify us from all those sins that that the light of the law exposes in our lives that, that we confess before him. He announces that he will destroy all that is evil and harmful to prepare for us a home without evil. The Holy One of God has come in love and in mercy, calling all men to repentance, to faith, to eternal life with His Father in heaven. Hear the truth that Jesus proclaimed. For the Son of God came in sandals to fish for God's people to pull them out of the morass of judgment and curse and uncleanness. Pay attention to the preaching of this gospel. For Jesus cast out demons to protect this truth. We praise God that he came to the world with power. We'll see that in our second point. The power, he revealed the power that demons fear. And in his love for the church, and in order to preserve the truth of his ministry, Jesus is, is quick to rebuke the unclean spirit. And Mark uses the technical Greek term that was used for exorcisms and driving unclean spirits out of a person. Jesus gave the unclean spirit two commands. Be silent and come out of him. It was necessary to end this unclean spirit's interference with Jesus' preaching. In Mark chapter 1 verse 34... We read that Jesus did not permit the spirit, the demons he cast out of people to speak. And we say, because they knew him. The fact that they knew him was considered a, a negative thing in Jesus' mind. A reason to tell him to be quiet. The demon had to be silenced. Not only because he was not a very positive witness, not a, not a good name to have written on your reference letter, but more importantly, because he didn't understand the truth. He was discrediting the very Savior of the world, twisting the truth. And here, right at the beginning of his ministry, the unclean spirit was attempting to, to, to turn the people against the very thing they needed. To make the beauty of the truth look like something undesirable. Holiness was presented as something to be feared rather than desired. And the author of life was being called a destroyer. The cross was being presented as a stumbling block. And the promise of light in Jesus Christ as something fearful. Now a people inclined to sin may have been happy to find a voice that justified their evil. And the unclean spirit's words only would serve to harden the hearts of the very people who needed to hear the gospel. And since Jesus loved the people, yes, even the people who were, were in this desire, struggling with the desire to, to do evil, since Jesus loved the people, he would not permit a, a lowly, unclean spirit to turn the people away from the only source of life and hope they could find. 
He would not allow an unclean spirit to pollute the fresh water of Jesus' teaching or cast a shadow over the gospel of God's grace. Jesus came preaching hope, liberation from unclean spirits, and the coming of the kingdom of God. And the power of this gospel was immediately displayed. Jesus' power gives great comfort to the church, for the unclean spirit immediately obeys his command. The unclean spirit convulsed the man, we read, and and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. Immediately, the focus of attention turns away from the interrupting demon, and everybody looked at Jesus Christ in amazement. His teaching is called new, a teaching with authority. There were no incantations, no requests for help, but just a simple and direct order that, the un, that sent the unclean spirit packing. And in this, the true gospel for everybody to see is that the devil has no say over those whom Jesus saves. Jesus Christ is a Savior who cares about the people he delivers He cares about those who are caught in these sins. He exposed the the true destroyer to be the unclean spirit who had held that man in his control, who had thrown him to the ground, who had tried to prevent his deliverance by telling Jesus to go away. And when we compare the life of the man before the unclean spirit was cast out of him, With his life after he met Jesus, we are able to have a vivid picture of the difference between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. In the darkness, what do we see? We see possession. We see convulsions. We see screams, opposition, powerlessness, and despair. In the light, we see hope, love, compassion, Gentle words, a promise of forgiveness, salvation, power, authority, everlasting life. What a powerful testimony to the transforming power of God in our lives. Jesus' revelation concerning the power and authority of his teaching is also a great comfort for the church. For in Christ, we are in that kingdom of light. We know that there continues to be this spiritual warfare and that the devil and his host are continuing to attack the church. We see how the truth is so often twisted and how holiness is presented by so many as as cruel or or judgmental or, or even undesirable. How Jesus is hated and mocked. Recent article in Clarion even pointed out the pervasive powers of propaganda. We're all very well aware of the power that sits in the hands of big tech. You read about that in the news as well lately. However, the answer to all this is not to fight back in the same way, but to preach the gospel, Jesus, the Savior, who humbled himself, who came to save and liberate the Holy One. He is the Holy One of God. And so we call all men to repentance, to believe through the, spe- the preaching, to embrace the Savior who loved us first, who has power to rebuke, cast out the forces of evil 
even as they flee from him. And as we come to the end of this, this message and we reflect again on the passage, we realize that the passage is shining with Jesus Christ. May your hearts and minds be lifted up to him. He preserved the truth. He confirmed that he is the Son of God. He made us to see how beautiful it is to be holy as he loved that poor man who was oppressed by an unclean spirit. He will ensure that the preaching of the gospel will not be erased from the earth through the guile of unclean spirits. When you follow Jesus, you're following a victorious king. And neither the devil or his demons can breach the wall that he says set up around you. And yes, we leave today eager to do as we read also in the end of our text. To spread the fame of Jesus' awesome name. That's why he came. Amen.